Good morning, everyone. Hey, before we start, I want you to turn to somebody next to you. And if there's nobody next to you, just tell yourself this. I got a big, fat mouth. I know you've been wanting to let that out today. I got a big, fat mouth. Why don't you, or I was going to tell you to turn to somebody and tell them, you got a big, foot mouth, but that's not nice. We're not doing that. We are not, that is not life-giving at all. Hey, I want to uh, introduce myself. My name is Sincerity Wintoya, one of the lead team here at The Grove. And um, I get the privilege of being able to speak today. And so, yeah, something different. Yeah, thanks for that encouragement. Woohoo's. As claps, yes. I am um, a little nervous, but God's going to do something awesome. Uh, we are uh, been talking about our series, and I think what I, I what first at first when Eric said, "Hey, I'm going to be doing bike for light all week, 500 miles," and he's like, "What about you teach on that Sunday?" And I'm like, "Um, well," <laughs> I was thinking, "Why can't you do it?" And he was like, "Cause I'm going to be tired." So I'm helping out Pastor today, and uh, and he'll pay me later, um, basically. Well, actually, somebody asked me a couple of weeks ago. They told me, they're like, why haven't you taught for a while? And I barely got out of timeout. So let's celebrate that. I'm out of timeout from the things I said last time. So I'm so glad to be able to hear, be with you guys this morning. We are um, talking about our mouth and how important it is. Last week, um, Pastor Eric was able to talk to us about the overflow of our heart and whatever comes out that overflow of our heart the mouth speaks that is such a powerful thing to remember on a daily basis and uh, one of the things he talked about was we needed to be quick to listen and slow to speak Um, he challenged us that this week and one of the things he said is uh, he wanted us to keep track of our words this week and so he says um, his challenge was if he gave you ten dollars for every positive word you said but if you said a negative word, you'd have to give them back $5. So how many of you guys would say you're pretty rich this week? You would have got a lot of money from Pastor Eric. Yeah? What about how many of you guys would probably be a little broke? Probably not going to hit La Plaza Southside for lunch, huh? Um, I know that this is something that we all probably struggle in so much ways, but when we are able to be in this series and talk about it and keep us on track, I think uh, one of the funniest quotes when it, when I was uh, researching about our mouth was, um, there's one that says, every time I open up my mouth, some idiot starts talking. How, how many of you guys can relate to that? Eric says, it just comes out and you're like, ah! idiot you know eric also talked about one of our mentors he would actually physically and 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 purposely verbally tell himself shut up carl shut up because he would start saying something and he would right away just have to tell him tell himself to stop and i just thought well that's wisdom because at least he's saying it and people are also aware like oh he's stopping himself but i love that every time i open up my mouth some idiot starts talking that is a lack of 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 self-control right there when you don't know what's coming out and so I thought that was funny, but today we are going to be talking about the big word about complaining. It's <sighs> such a good word, complaining. Somebody say complaining. Yes. You know, I actually um, love being able to text. When I text people, one of my favorite things that started to come out is using GIFs, the G-I-F-S. I don't know if I'm saying that right. GIFs, GIFs, whatever it is. 
I get to say what I want because I got the mic. Um, so when you use the gifts, you can you can relay your um, expression or what you're trying to say in a totally different way. So if I'm like, let's say uh, Eric and I are talking, and I'm like, hey, can you can you take out the trash? Now if he responds to me in a gift, and it's just like, you know, it's that complaining gift. Well, if you go on 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 the on the gift area of your text, and you just put complaining, oh man, that'll make you laugh for like ten. 10, 15 minutes because there's such a good ones in there. And I also told myself, I hope I never use any of these, but they're good. There's so there's a lot of good ones in there. And so I, I like to be able to put my, you know, put a little bit more on that. But one of the things is, um, um, where do you see the most complaining in this world? Oh, one place, the DMV. That will be probably the biggest place I'll go there, and there's always people complaining. My heart breaks for the people that have to call your neighbor. You go, and and they complain. People complain all the time how long they waited, and then they just give them. They say, "Okay, go ahead and sit back down," and they're they're not even done with them yet. They have to go sit back for another whatever time, and then they go to the next person that calls them. It probably is a different person, and they do the same thing. They complain again. So DMV is probably one of the first places that I see it a lot. You know, another place, and Eric's probably not going to like this, is soccer games. Probably the most complaining happens, and they don't show it in like, you know, they're always up in the ref's face, you know, telling him, no, I didn't do that. No, I wasn't faking it. But a lot of it's like a lot of drama in soccer games. That, that's, that always shows me a little bit of complaining. Or maybe at work, when, when your, your colleagues are around and stuff, you see a lot of complaining happening. Oh, yeah, I love these commercials that are coming out like, how are you doing? Do you really want me to tell you how I'm doing? Because it comes out as a complaint. People ask me all the time, how are you doing? And I, I've responded in the past saying, um, well, I'm doing good. I'm not going to complain about it because nobody's going to listen. Because they won't. It's, it's, not, it's kind of a turnoff in a lot of ways when people start complaining. And so one of the things is I've learned to not be a complainer because I'm a mom of four kids. Oldest is 13. The youngest is, is four. And if I complain... It gives permission for everybody else in the house to complain, right? And so I am a, I am not a morning person at all. And I can uh, immediately come up and just kind of have that attitude of like, uh, why am I up this morning? Why am I so late? It's 6 o'clock in the morning, whatever. But one of the things is we, um, in our family, we have always tried to um, not buy a lot for our kids. We don't like to buy a lot. We like to experience things together. So if we're going to do a trip, we like to do a trip together. Maybe it's hiking uh, or we spend the money to do um, trips to experience life together. And one of the things is um, if the kids don't know what's going to happen, it's so easy for them to complain because they're going to say, First off, are we there yet? What are we going to do? And if there's not a plan or Eric and I are trying to be secretive about it, they're just like complaining like, oh, how long is it going to be there? And it comes in a form of complaining. But that's one thing that we've kind of always tried to to keep an eye on is that there won't be complaining. I do not make different meals for my kids because um, from the get-go, I said, you eat what's in front of you and that's what you get, else they don't eat. Because there's only one of me and four kids and everybody outnumbers me. Um, and so there's just never been, um, there's, there's moments. I'm not saying we're perfect. There's moments of complaining. But one of the big things is that we've really tried to um, teach them that it's just, it wastes our time. When there's complaining that's happened, Eric is really good about this. He'll basically stop everything we're doing and he'll make them look in their eyes, which they hate this. 
Look in my eyes. He'll even grab some of them by the ear. And he'll say, look at me. When you complain, what is it doing? And they already know the answer. It wastes, my, it wastes our time. Because we all have to stop. And we all have to talk about that it's not going to work. That complaining is not going to work. And so we kind of use that in our, in our family. And, um, and so what, I went online and I basically Googled, what do you call a person that always complains? Well, this is interesting. It says misery, a person who is constantly miserable and discontented, shrew, an insulting word for a woman who's always complains, argues, or nags. Fastidious, Eric, there you go. Thank you. (laughs) Fastidious, hard to please, high maintenance, demanding a lot of attention. How many of you guys want to be high maintenance? Yeah? How many of you guys want to be an insulting word for a while? How how many of you guys want to be shrew? My name's Shrew. Um, or a person that's constantly miserable. You know, like that's your like MO. People know you as like, she's always miserable. She's never happy. Or he. Or he too. And so I thought that was like, kind of interesting. And so this is actually on the Oxford Dictionary. That's what it explains to be a person that always complains. So when I think about complaining in the Bible, the first story that I think about is the Israelites. So the Israelites, they had years and years of slavery under Pharaoh. And after God sent miracles, he sent miracles to take them out of slavery. I mean, there was ten plagues. There was the parting of the Red Sea. They dr- he drowned Pharaoh's army. Um, he fed them manna so that they wouldn't go hungry. Um, he, he gave them water out of a rock. I mean, miracles, things that I love to see today. And then their clothes never wore out. Um, and this didn't happen just for a little bit of time. This was 40 years. Um, well, no, first, first, he performed these miracles to get them out. And then after they were out, the Israelites did the same thing that they had always done. They whined, they complained, they griped and complained. They whined and they complained. It says in Exodus 14, 11 through 12, it says, They said to Moses, Was it because there's no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. How many of you guys have heard that kind of complaining before? I can hear. I was going to do a little bit more tweakier, but I don't want to annoy you. But this was 40 years of them in the desert, and they start complaining. 40 years. I'm going to be 40 next year. I can imagine my whole life living in a community that all they do is gripe and complain. After I've heard stories of God taking me out of the desert, it would create a lot of confusion in me and how I've been brought up. And so uh, Moses later on says in Exodus 16, 18, he says, you're not grumbling against us. He's telling them, the Israelites, but against the Lord. It is not you making, venting out and telling us, oh, we would have been better. It's not for them. It wasn't for the people that were listening. You are gri- you're griping, but it's against the Lord. Uh, can you imagine every time we complained in this enormous blessings that God has given us in a day-to-day basis, uh, that God takes it personally? I know as a parent, if we ever do anything for our kids and our kids complain, I do take it personally. Because with four kids and a husband, I'm a big planner. I love to plan out my week. I have a to-do list. I like to get it all done. And so when it doesn't go as planned or somebody complains about the outcome or how it's going, I take it personal. 
But one of the things I learned even in this, in teaching and in, in learning and growing and um, studying this, is that God does not react like how we think we are going to react. God doesn't look at it and say, well, don't you know what I've done for you? Because I would, I would react like that as a parent. I've used those words with my kids. Do you understand how much time it took us to plan and, and get this ready for you? How we've been preparing all of this for you and you're complaining? That t- and and I'll, I'll use those words. You broke my heart. I'm taking that personally. But thank God, God doesn't act like that. He's not like that at all. Um, and so, one of the things is, you might have you came in complaining. Maybe uh, some of you feel guilty already. You guys came in and it was running late and the parking lot was full. I had to walk all the way from the parking garage, even though my car is covered. And then the kids were making me late and I came in and they're out of donuts. Well, maybe you aren't out of donuts because you guys are first service, so it's okay. The music was too loud and why didn't she sing that song? And they, why don't they sing my favorite song? I don't know your favorite song, so don't know it. So... Or why is she talking about complaining? You can even be complaining about what I'm talking about. Um, and so this message is not to condemn us because, believe me, I deal with this too. This is a word of encouragement for all of us. I need it. And um, I've also been tested this week since I've been studying it. I always think that's, that's fun. God has a great humor with that. He was testing me, and so, and there's, you know what, and there's more to come this next week. As we learn and grow with this, we have to be aware of what God is going to be testing us as we learn this. Um, so I have a question for you. What in your life do you complain about the most? So I know people that complain that they're not married. They're not married. I can't find the right guy, and they're trying to date people, and just, they'll go on dates complaining about other dates and then the dates don't want to be with them again, but they're complaining, um, or they'll complain when they do get married, and the very thing that attracted them to the person, their spouse, is the one thing that drives them crazy. Eric is positive pants. Positive pants, all the time positive. And there is times, again, not a morning person, that he is so positive that I literally want to roll my eyes and walk away and complain about his positivity. And, but that was one thing that attracted me to him because he was, he brought so much life to my life and to so many people around us. He was an encourager and all that stuff. So it's funny that the things that we are attracted to drive us crazy later on. And so you can complain about that. Oh, you are married and then you're, you're getting frustrated about those things. Or maybe you're complaining about meetings that happens at work or your boss. It was crazy. I heard a statistic that most people leave their, their jobs because of their bosses. That's it. Not because they don't like it, they don't see value, there's no purpose. It's mostly because of their boss. Um, they, maybe your, maybe the, the complaints that you have most is that your house is too small or that money is always tight. Um, or you complain just about people. This person cut me off on the road. And guess what? I'm going to go home and I'm going to tell the world on Facebook what they did. I'm going to tell everybody what they did. And then I'm going to tell them how I reacted. Like 10 times low-key, because really I like probably did it a little bit differently. But, um, but we like to be able to let that out. And some people would call it venting. But um, maybe there's just some smaller ones, like the weather is bad or the Wi-Fi is too slow. Um, or there's nothing to see on TV, on my Netflix, all the channels. I don't know what to watch. Um, and then um, 
And then uh, one of the things I want to remind you this morning is that your boss isn't the problem. Or the slow Wi-Fi isn't the problem. Uh, the wait at the checkout line or at the DMV, it's not your problem. Uh, your spouse isn't your problem. The problem is that Satan has taken our eyes off the goodness of God. The reason why we complain is because we forget how good our God is to us on a daily basis. And so um, what the enemy does, and, we, and it was so good because we just got out of this series about the armor of God and talking about how the enemy wants to attack us for our mind all kinds of different ways. But one of the things is the enemy wants us to distract us how good God is. And one of the things he does that is so that he can shift that attention to ourselves. We shift our attention. It does sound a little, when you think about it, it sounds a little um, sad when you say, oh, the Wi-Fi is too slow. I mean, like, I grew up in the 80s and 90s, and there was no Wi-Fi. I mean, Eric and I lived, when we dated, we lived, um, I lived in Paraguay. I could not talk to him for six months, and I had the dial-up, dial-up, you know, the AOL, and you had to wait for the man to jump. Um Man, that was my life. And now we complain about, man, it's too slow and I'm trying to do stuff. I need to get my stuff done. And it's me, me, I, I, I. And the enemy has shifted our focus on the goodness of God to ourselves. And it's become selfish. And so uh, one of the things is that we need to be careful and have a higher use of our words. My mom, I went to go visit her this last week. Making sure she's here. <laughs> Mom. Um, I went to go visit her this week, and I was talking to her, and she went to go vi- uh, visit a friend, and her friend's uh, uh, kind of been struggling, so she's been helping her out and, and just taking care of her. And at one point, her friend cussed, and her friend went, <gasps> covered her mouth and was really surprised, kind of caught herself. And she looked at my mom, and she said, oh, I'm sorry. She goes, I, I noticed you don't cuss. Well, if you know my mom, my mom is the biggest prayer warrior in the world. Like, she will be known for that forever. She had eight kids. She had to pray. Um, I can imagine. I have four, and I'm praying constantly. But she is the biggest prayer warrior I know. And uh, so one of the, the, the ways she responds, and it's so good because my mom is very witty, but, but she's like a teaching witty. Like, she'll say stuff, and it's like, oh, that hurt. That's so true. I'm going to walk away. Like, you know, it's like, I got to chew on that a little bit. My mom actually responded. So the lady says, why don't you cuss? My mom actually said, she goes, I don't want to use the same mouth to pray. I don't want to cuss one moment and then pray to my heavenly father of his goodness. She says, I'm not going to do that. And I'm like, wow, that is a higher use of our words. It'll kind of check yourself when you're talking, right? In the mornings or in the evenings or when you're tired, when you're emotional, and so I think that's just so much wisdom. My mom also, uh, when we're driving, she, when we were younger, it was really embarrassing, but when we were driving, uh, she's a little slower, you know. She doesn't have any brush to go. She'll drive, drive places all chill. And um, there'll be people that kind of cut her off or they'll be mad and their hands will be going up and telling her stuff. And she'll just smile looking at them and she'll be like, God bless you. And she'll just smile, and you know they're just like burning up inside because they want a re- they want a reaction. 
You know, people, they really do because they're, they're going cuckoo and crazy inside and they're saying all kinds of words. And she'll also go, go farther and she'll be like, I rebuke every negative word that's coming out of your mouth right now. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. And then she'll just keep going, having her worship music going. But she has this higher use of her words. She's just not going to go there. It's like another level. And I, I respect that it was, it, again, it was really embarrassing like this when I was in the car. And now I'm like, I get it. And I kind of find myself, my kids are seeing me do that a little bit now. I'll be like, peace out, people. Don't worry. Chill. Calm down. Deep breath. Take your phone down. Smile. Put the music on. Like, you know, I do that because I need to keep myself in check. And also I have kids watching me. They're probably going to talk about me when I'm older. Um, but, um, so I, again, we're not wanting to guilt in this, but one of the things is <clears throat> I think about also the apostle Paul. If there's anyone in the Bible that probably had the right to complain, it was Paul. He dreamed of going to uh, Rome and be a preacher. And instead he became a prisoner in a jail and he was awaiting a possible execution for two years. And so um, he could say, this isn't fair, God. I'm serving you. I came here. The floor is hard. Uh, my foot, or, I mean, I'm sorry, the food is bad. You know, my back aches. Um, these Romans, they got some B.O. on them. I am not comfortable. And instead, in Philippians 2, 14 through 15, it says, do one, of, one of the scriptures says, do not do everything without grumbling. Or the other translation says complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. How many of you can agree that there is a warped and crooked generation around us? There definitely is. Yet we need to cry out and say, God, help us that we not have grumbling or complaining or arguing happen in our life so that we become blameless and pure. How many of you want to be blameless and pure? That is my prayer that we would be famous and pure. And so there's some practical sides. There's the spiritual reasons of not complaining. There's some practical ones. Research from Stanford University says that it's shown that complaining shrinks the hippocampus, I'm sorry, an area of the brain that is critical to problem solving and intelligent thought. Damage to the hippocampus is scary, especially when you consider that it's the primary brain areas destroyed by Alzheimer's. That's crazy, huh? I read that. I was like, oh, my gosh, it's damaging. Then it says a half an hour of complaining every day physically damages your, a person's brain. It's not healthy, people. It says all the extra cortisol release, it's released every time you complain. By frequent complaining, impairs your immune system and makes you more susceptible to high cholesterol, diabetes, heart disease, and obesity. It even makes the brain more vulnerable for strokes. God made our body to not complain. And so a repeated complaining hardwires our brain to do more of it. It'll just keep going. And so one of the things that I thought was so powerful that I read this, this week, it says, if you can change your circumstances, do something about it. If you can change your circumstances, do something about it. If you can't change your circumstances, change your perspective. I'm going to say that again. If you can change your circumstances, do something about it. If you can't change your circumstances, change your perspective. 
In Philippians 2, 17 to 18, it says, But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on a sacrifice and service coming of your faith, I am glad and rejoice Excuse me, with all of you so that you too should be glad and rejoice with me. So um, back in the day, the priests would get an animal and they would um, get an altar, a burning altar. And what they would do is they would pour expensive wine or oils over it and as the smoke rise it would be an an offering and paul when he speaks in philippians here he's saying even if i'm being poured out like a drink offering on a sacrifice of service coming from your faith i am glad and i rejoice with all of you so some people are thinking that in the scripture that paul is talking about his death his ultimate death what's going to happen but he's not he's actually talking about his life that he's saying i am a living sacrifice He's there. I'm a living sacrifice. And in it, he rejoices. And so how could Paul be in prison facing possible execution rejoice? Well, because Paul is not the center of his story. Jesus is. He had a different purpose. His perspective was different. Um, in Philippians 1, 12, uh, 1, 12 through 13, it says, Now I want you to know brothers and sisters, and what happens to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. He's not in chains for nothing. It was for something. It was for Christ. And so he says, you think I'm a prisoner? Actually, I have a Roman guard that gets comes in here in my, in my cell eight, eight hours And guess what? He gets to listen to me. I have to talk to him. I get to have a free audience. I get to tell him about my God. I get to tell him about my Lord. And it was like, it was like gain to him. He didn't look at it as a negative thing. He says, you know what? This is me, a living sacrifice. I'm going to rejoice in this. And so he said, if I'm here, God must have a purpose. Whatever season, I'm going to do this. I have a reason. There's a lesson in this. And then I have an assignment. So again, if you can't change your circumstances, do something about it. If you can't change your, if you can't change your circumstances, change your perspective. Paul had an amazing perspective because he knew why he, what he needed to do. Nothing was going to stop him. Whether he was in prison, whether he was out of prison, he had a purpose and a great perspective. What are you chained to? Think about it. This guy's, this guy's chained to something. It's kind of holding down. Maybe you feel stuck. So whatever that thing is that's chained to. Maybe it's a job that you maybe might not enjoy as much. Uh, maybe it's a health issue. Maybe it's a chronic disease. Maybe it's a relational challenge. Whatever it is, um, think about it. One of the things I try to tell our kids, our team, uh, one of the things that we've kind of uh, speak over them a lot. Again, not a morning person will wake up, and we don't say we have to do things. We always say when we drive out of the house on Sunday mornings, we get to do this. It is a privilege. It is a privilege to wake up and to be able to see the beautiful sunsets, to be able to see the day that God has given to us and be able to use it and have that attitude, and we'll say it in front of the kids. God, we even pray for them before we go to school. God, we get to go to school. There's a lot of people that cannot go to school. We get to go to school. Let us be good stewards of our life. Let us be good stewards of our words, good stewards of our time. And so we say it with our team. Our team shows up early, 637. They don't have to be here. They get to. 
God has blessed them. We're amazed, we're amazed by our team and how God's been using them at school. Maybe your family, you get to be married to that person. You get to go to, to a job because you have an amazing job. And so uh, one of the things in, in Paul, he says, even if I'm being poured out, even if, <clears throat> even if I don't get that job, even if I'm not married, even, even if I'm financially strapped right now, even if I'm in this difficult season and it sucks the life out of me right now, even if I'm not going to see the problem, I'm going to see it as a divine possibility. I'm not going to look at it as an obstacle. I'm going to see it as an opportunity. God's going to do something in this. And so stop focusing on what you don't have and be thankful for what you do have. What do you have you need to be thankful for? Um, and again, that goes to, I'm not the center of my story. It's Jesus. It's Jesus' story. And so <clears throat> in Psalms 103, 2 through 5, this is my favorite part. It says, let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things that he does. He forgives all the sins and heals all of my diseases. He redeems me from the death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. He is a good God. He fills my life with good things. I love psalms. It gets your focus on just giving him praise. I love singing. I love music. I love all of that. Um, And I don't know who I'm speaking to this morning. And I know life can be difficult. Maybe you're dealing with uh, chronic pain. And it sucks. And the only thing that sometimes might help is being able to talk it out and vent it out and say, it hurts. It sucks. It's not fun. I don't like it. Every time somebody asks you, you feel like you're repeating the same same thing. I know, been there. It's not fun. We see you. We understand that. But one of the things is is that God can speak to you in this sensitive time. I uh, hurt my back a couple years ago, and I always uh, I complained a lot. It was really frustrating. But also, get, God gave me a perspective in it that I would have never known if I wouldn't have gone through it. My heart, my um, sensitivity to people that go through pain is a lot different because it wasn't like, oh, yeah, sure. You know, I actually was like, been there, been there, done that. Sometimes your story, you might not be proud of what you've gone through in your life, but you'll be able to connect with other people. And when they when they reach out or they say something, and it's not a complaint, but when they say something, you can be able to, to speak into them. And so even if, even if, one of the things I love to do is um, I have a workout playlist I have on my phone. My kids try to listen to it. I have a workout. It just pumps me up because I'm a workout morning person. I can't work in at night. So I'll have my workout, uh, workout playlist on iTunes. And one of the things I started doing this last week as I've been studying this is that I need to have a playlist that changes my perspective. Again, not a morning person. So what do I need to do? to set myself up to have a successful morning. So what I do is I'll put on, I'll put a song. One of my favorite songs right now is called Goodness of God from Bethel. Um, I'm going to read a couple, a couple of this. It says, says, I love you, Lord, for your mercy has never failed me. All of my days I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head down, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. In all my life, you have been faithful. In all of my life, you've been so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. 
I love you, Lord, and you have led me through the fire. And in the darkest night, you have close, you have, you are close like no other. I've known you as a father, and I've known you as a friend, and I have lived, and I have lived in the goodness of God. Yes, because you are the good. You and then this is the part I love. It says, "Your goodness is running after. It's running after me." Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I've surrendered now. I give you everything because your goodness is running after, he's running after me. What a good picture, right? Wherever we go, his goodness is running after us. Get that visual in your, your, in your heart. That, that song is on my playlist. And it might be probably the first song I wake up to. If it's my alarm, I put my song. I have to wake up to that because there's some days I don't want to get out of bed. I'm tired. And if I start singing about how tired I am or I put some music, oh, life sucks, or some of the negative stuff that's out there, I need to be able to say, God, you are good. You've given me, you've given me such a good life. You've died on the cross. You've given me purpose. I live in freedom. There's such an amazing God being able to, pers- to, be able to speak that out. Another great song of, of that I love is, is, is even, if, even if it's called from Hillsong. It says, even when my strength is lost, I'll praise you. Even when I have no song, I'll praise you. Even when it's hard to find the words, <clears throat> louder than I'll sing your praise, I will only sing your praise. Not my praise, his praise. Even when the, the fight seems lost, I'll praise you. Even when it hurts like hell, I'm going to praise you. Even when it makes no sense to sing, louder than I'll sing your praise, I will only sing your praise. Even when the morning comes, I will praise you. You get the point, even if, right? Just like Paul, even if, I will praise you. I will get my perspective off self, and I will be able to praise you, God, because he is a good God. And so being able to have those things <clears throat> set up to set up your morning is to have those playlists. I love those songs. So I have a playlist now. It's changing my perspective. There are some amazing songs out there. If you need ideas, just let me know, because I that's what I... You know, on the hot tracks, on iTunes, on Spotify, on Christian music, on your genres, there's some amazing songs that can really fuel you up. Change your attitude as you wake up. Talk about the victories that's going to happen in your life. They're not there just to listen to. They're there to be able to proclaim over your life how important your mouth is. Instead of complaining, if we use those, those words and change them into actually proclamations, things that we would speak over our kids, speak over our lives, that's one thing I learned amazingly well um, growing up but also through our freedom group is being able to speak the word a little bit more because I need that I need that strength and so the other thing that's important is who do you surround yourself with whether it's venting who you you who you talk to um, make sure you don't surround yourself with complainers that there be people that are like life givers they'll be able to encourage you yes you're gonna have bad days but they're going to encourage you through it. They're not going to tell, tell you, yeah, you should leave him. He's loser. No, he's going to say, you know what? I'm going to pray with you about this because God wants the best for you. And we don't know if it's him or somebody else, but we're going to pray through this. And you're going to be an encourager in their life or they're going to be an encourager for your life. <clears throat> one of the things I think that's interesting is that the Israelites, when they were in the desert, there wasn't just one of them that was complaining, but it started with one. It says these were lights. There's hundreds and hundreds of them. 40 years, it started somewhere. Because one person did it, it gave permission for the rest. Same thing with my kids. My two older ones, I have a little bit harder expectation on them. Because if they say something, the two younger ones will repeat it. 
even though they don't feel it. And so Israelites, I think about this, <clears throat> excuse me, this big group. And if one starts complaining, it just keeps going. And so be aware. Be aware of who you're venting to. Be aware of where they're at also. There's people going through things. And if you are, are complaining, is it helping them? Is it encouraging them? Are you bringing life to them? It was hard this last week. Uh, Eric would FaceTime us, <clears throat> and as he was writing, uh, he was tired. You could see him just kind of breaking down daily, uh, tired physically, emotionally, all of that. And every time I would talk to him, he'd be like, how are you doing? The first thing I'd want to say is, I'm tired. I didn't want to say that to him. Or, um, how, you, uh, how was it today? It was hot. I can't say that. He was on the bike <laughs> all day. And so it was really hard to complain to people that are really enjoying themselves. Even though he was breaking down, he was really enjoying himself. But it's a little harder to 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 do that with him. And so I had to be really aware with that. Um, give yourself experiences to show how blessed you are. Um, we like to go out in nature and be able to experience the beauty that God has given us. So we live in an amazing city um, to be able to go out and just, I, we say it a lot, even when we're driving. Look at, look at the landscape. Look at the mountains, Nova. Look how they go like that. She'll get her finger and she'll do that. This last week. Look how beautiful. Look at that sunset. He made that for us. Instead of complaining how early it is, what can you do to change, change the way we speak with our kids and to ourselves? I get to. I get to. Even if I get to. We need to change our talk. We moved back from Rio Rancho. We got here to Santa Fe. Growing up in this city, uh, you hear a lot of talk. People would say it's the land of enchantment or entrapment. I never felt trapped. I never felt trapped. But one thing is, I think one thing that helped is I grew up in a home that my kids loved, or my my parents loved the city. They enjoyed it. <clears throat> they didn't see it. They never t- really talked negative about it. Um, as I traveled, as I got older, I traveled the world. I got to go to Spain, go to. Oslo lived in South America for a lot of times. You saw pieces of home in all those places. You'd come back and you appreciated it a little bit different. This is home. When people would say, oh, I hate Santa Fe. It's dirty and it's old and there's nothing for the kids to do and there's nothing for the families. And I'm like thinking, you can go. See ya. Peace out. I like it. And the way we even speak about our city, it's a beautiful city. We love our city. The Grove loves our city. And there's so much we could do instead of complaining. Maybe God has put in your in your heart to see a need and do something about it. If you say there's nothing for the, for the kids to do and you have a family, you know what? Maybe you're supposed to open up a business that just gives life to families. Instead of saying, we're just going to go to Albuquerque. We're just going to go everywhere else. Nah, Santa Fe doesn't have any of that. Oh, go away. Or um, the outlook, that, that really bothered us when, when, we, when we started traveling. We'd come back, we're like, Santa Fe is amazing. We love Santa Fe. Um, or our, out, our atmospheres, our work, change our talk about how we, we talk our, what we talk about at our work or how we talk about work when we come back from work. Uh, maybe it's how we talk about our marriages, how we talk about our relationships. How do we talk about our schools? How many love to see those statistics online, right? And then what it does it do? It creates people just complaining and complaining about it. What are we going to do about it? How about volunteer at the schools because these teachers need some encouragement and help? Yeah? Um, instead of complaining about our kids, what can we do to invest in them? 
to resource them. What do I need to do as a parent to resource myself so I can speak more life into them? And then uh, complaining about our past. Your past is not your future. Stop complaining about it. You keep talking about it. Everybody, You're living in the past. You just keep complaining about everything that happened to you. It happened to you. And yes, that sucks. Maybe it wasn't right. But it's not your future. God has something different for you. He wants you to find freedom in it to be able to speak into other people's lives. And so one of my challenges, my challenge today for you is to speak of the good this week. Doesn't stop there. Speak of the good, but end that statement by saying, he's a good God. Because you can say something that good that's happening in the morning. You can say, what a beautiful morning. He's a good God. What a great teacher you have, Nova. He's a great God. What a great marriage I have. You need to start speaking it differently. What a great marriage I have. I love that my husband, he comes and he supports us. We do life together. We parent together. Have a good God. We have to shift all of that complaining into a different way of speak, a higher way of talking. And so we serve a, we serve a good God. Let's start showing it. Let's start speaking it. And let's represent him well. You know, as Paul, he represented well. Whatever circumstance, even if, whatever, God, I'm going to give you praise. You are a good God. You are a good God. Let's pray this morning. Father God, we thank you for your love, Lord God. We thank you for all that you are. Every morning, Lord God, let, um, let praises come out of our lips, Lord God, of who you are of all the things that you've brought us through, Lord God, of everything that we've learned, Lord God. I pray, Father, that you would keep it close to our hearts, Lord God, that we would be reminded this week, Lord God, of your goodness, but we would speak it, Lord God. We speak it to the people when we're checking out of the grocery store. We'd say, it is a great day. I serve a good God. That we would be able to wake up, and even though our attitudes or our bodies or whatever are tired, we'd say, it's okay, I serve a good God. And if we're dealing with anything, whether it's depression, anxiety, or maybe physical pain, we'd say, I will not be stuck here. God has something for me here, and God's going to teach me something through here. It is okay. I serve a good God. Lord God, that we have a higher a higher use of our words, Father. That we would honor you, Lord God. That we appreciate everything that you've given us, Lord God. That we won't be spoiled children that just complain about things, Lord God. But we would we would be thankful and grateful hearts, Lord God. We love you, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen.